Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So welcome. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time to join us. And uh, tell us what, what message you have brought to uh, New Hampshire. What should, we, uh, what should we be thinking about? That someone should challenge Trump to the Republican primary. <laughs> okay. Well, subtle, I'm sure very subtle, complicated message. Mm-hmm. You know? um, uh, and it's a little more doable than people think, at least to have a respectable showing. It's a very uphill to obviously win. But um, it's been interesting. I've just been here 24 hours. I was here right after the election for a couple of days and met with a bunch of Republicans. So let me just back up. I, Sarah Longwell and I uh, and some others started something called Defending Democracy Together year, year and a half ago in Washington, uh, which was an attempt to do various things, but mostly Republican-focused on the sort of um, defending the rule of law. We have Republicans for the rule of law, Republicans against tariffs, Republicans for, again, what the immigration one is, Linda Chavez runs that, uh, Becoming American Initiative. So basically defending various, what I would view as traditional and healthy Republican principles, uh, by contrast with Trump's Republicanism, not just Trump, but Trumpism, let's call it, more broadly. Uh, so the focus in the first year and a half was on these different issues and some advertising and you know, working the hill a little bit and stuff. Um, beginning a few months ago, we, you know, if you really want to save the Republican Party from Trump, not to make it too melodramatic, but speaking in a kind of shorthand, uh, obviously it would be helpful if you weren't renominated. Uh, that would be, I mean, it's uphill, obviously, but it is very important. I mean, if presidents get renominated and then reelected, eight years is a lot longer than four years. In American history, presidencies of eight years tend to change the country, but especially the party. Uh, you know, if he's renominated but not reelected, that's in between, sort of, Jimmy Carter kind of thing, maybe. Um, but I don't know much control of the Democratic nominating process or over the general election for that matter. So it's, you know, that, that's for another day. And so on the Republican side, I would like, even if Trump can't be denied the nomination, and I'm not so sure he couldn't be. Uh, at least to have a serious statement of an alternative kind of republicanism to Trump. So, um, I mean, it's been totally public. It's not like mm-hmm. this is some, I mean, obviously there's some private meetings, behind the scenes conversations, but this is, uh, there's no point hiding the, that. And, and there are more people, I'd say, Trump's popular among Republicans, but there's still quite a few Republicans who, uh, there are quite a few Republicans who've never accommodated Trump. There are quite a few Republicans who, you know, acquiesce. I mean, he got the nomination, they thought he was better than Hillary. They thought some of the policies would be better, and some of them have been, actually, uh, like the judges. So they, let's say, acquiesced to Trump. But I don't, I don't say that in a negative way, just kind of, you know, that's kind of what their attitude was. Uh, he's okay for now, better than the alternative. They voted for him. But it was striking. We did some focus groups and polls last year before the election. Um, not up here, actually, but I think it would be similar up here. And a fair number of the people who said they approved of Trump. So when you see that top line, 85% of Republicans approve of Trump. You know, 50 of that 85% really approve of Trump, probably, and just really, you know, are Trump or for pro-Trump. What we struck us in these both polling and focus groups was another 30, 35, sorry, it's no percent, who say they approve of Trump, don't regret voting for him over Hillary, uh, like some of the policies, but also are dissat, or discombobulated by various things he does and says, 
worried about aspects of his governance. Um, I think some of the disruption was useful, but it's gotten a little out of control. What would a second term be like? Maybe one term's okay, but two terms is like risky. It's amazing how many people in the focus group would say, you know, they, they knew I was kind of involved in this group. So I was like, you're too tough on Trump. It's, you're a little unfair. The media is too tough on him. Um, he's done some good things. And I said, fine. And so are you fine with going ahead for a second term for Trump, renominating Trump and reelecting Trump? And the same people would say, I'm not so sure about that, you know? I mean, it's a little crazy, it's a little divisive. Some of these people who we respect have left the administration. Maybe some of the disruption was useful, but maybe it's time to get back to more normal governing and bipartisanship and some of the civility. It's, I mean, voters, it's not foolish of them, I would say, can have in their minds both they don't really regret voting for Trump and they aren't going to apologize for it, uh, but that they would welcome a, at least a chance to consider an alternative in 2020. So I think that's the path for a candidate, for an opponent of Trump to get beyond, you know, 15%, probably 20 who would just vote for anyone against Trump, which I think there is some chunk there in a Republican primary, especially in a state like here. So we have... Uh, so, to, to so 35 or 40 percent or something. So Bill Weld has jumped in already, right. and uh, we see uh, Larry Hogan uh, is talking about it. John right. Kasich uh, has been to the state quite a bit, and he's talking about it. Um, what do you think of them? Do you think others are likely to jump in? And when you say deny him the nomination, is that what you, that's what you mean, is that so there would be an alternative? So my best case would be Gene McCarthy in 67, and there's a big, you know... Uh, groundswell of uh, that someone gets in, even someone rather, as McCarthy was in 67, mm -hmm. unknown and regarded as a totally, you know, kind of just hopeless, uh, symbolic candidate. Uh, does much better than expected in New Hampshire. If you could win, that would be great too, but McCarthy didn't quite win, I don't think. Um, but, you know, the, it causes such turmoil in the party that in that case Johnson stepped down, Kennedy got in, Kennedy got assassinated, so it's hard to know how history would have played out. But um, So, yeah, I mean, I think the best case would be denying the nomination, that probably would require something to happen out there, you know, something, a scandal to escalate or economy to turn down or foreign policy crisis or something. Uh, but even if you don't deny the nomination, uh, having a good strong showing against him would be good. I mean, I don't get to select who runs against him, and I don't want to select him. I mean, I think people should run if they think it's the right thing to do. I admire well for getting in. I really do. I mean, I talked to him several times before he decided to do it, and uh, you know, it's sort of fun, but it's also sort of not what he's been doing for the last, you know, a couple of years, being a successful lawyer, and and uh, and I, I give him credit for doing it. I think he's actually been pretty impressive uh, as a, making the case against Trump and for a different kind of republicanism. I'm not, I don't agree with him on every issue, but um, Hogan I've met with, uh, too, and he's uh, he's an impressive guy, and obviously successful. A current governor, supposed to have been governor 20 years ago, it's probably a little easier to, to sell that, and, um, and a successful current governor. So people who say, oh, Trump's what you need in this moment in 2019 because the old-fashioned ways don't work. Well, Hogan's governing in real time here in a difficult state, a very democratic state, and doing a pretty good job of it. So why is it intrinsically impossible to do that at the national level? Kasich I, I like and don't think he's going to do it. You know, I think mm. it feels like probably better not to have a repeat of 2016. Mm. There's some other people, uh, obviously Ben Sass at one point was thinking of it, I think not so much anymore. There are young congressmen who, you know, I've talked to who sort of are intrigued by the notion, that, but it's obviously a daunting thing to do. I mean, the trouble is 
you have an incumbent president. It's always, I mean, the last three incumbent presidents haven't been challenged. And there's a reason for that. They have control of the party apparatus. They're pretty popular in their own party, usually. And people will say, well, challenging him would weaken him, and that would be bad for the general. So it's a bit of an uphill struggle, obviously. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.